Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Last week, we did start our series, and I do want to welcome our podcasters here, listening right now, wherever you are. Uh, We love you. You're a part of our family. I heard a testimony just a couple of days ago from somebody, and the highlight of their week is when they can't be here is to get our podcast and it's to listen and to be a part of what God's doing. They did say it's not the same as being in the room, but they're thankful that they can still be a part of it. And so we welcome you all and we also thank our AV team and our recording team who every week put that up. Uh, This morning, um, what you're going to find with me and Charlotte is we're we're quite prophetic. I often get prophetic words. That's why I love worship as well so much is because when I start to partake in the things of the Spirit in that moment, I often get pictures in my heart. I often get God speaking to me. And this morning, again, as I was in worship, I just I saw this picture and it was, of a, um, it was of a sword and it was a double-edged sword and the Bible talks about a double-edged sword and it was very sharp. And it was like the Father was saying to our church afresh, Again, do you know how sharp the anointing is on this house? Do you know how significant the anointing and grace is on Celebration Church? And then I felt him put in my heart, remind them to pick up the sword. Remind them. You can have the sharpest sword in the world. It can be effective. It can be uh, purpose-made. But unless you choose to pick it up and partake, You can come to church every week, but unless you choose to partake and be a part of what God's wanting to do in and through this house, you'll only ever just be a sword that sits there. And I just believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us afresh, take up the sword. Take up the anointing of celebration, church. This isn't a church like every other church. It's a unique church. It's a church that's called to be a refreshing well, a church that brings healing, that brings empowering, that brings breakthrough. But if you're just going to come along and observe, you're not picking up the sword. Come along and be a part. Have buy-in. Say, I'm going to give my best to this. Don't make this grace on our church or your participation in our church be an extracurricular activity. Make it something that you live to be a part of. So I wanted to encourage you with that this morning. Prophetically, I don't get these things wrong. I'm telling you, I don't. I know what I carry. Listen to the voice and the spirit of what God is trying to say. And again, before we get into the Word, let's be so good. And last week you heard me speak about this. Don't just get caught up in the minute words sometimes that are spoken. Get caught up in what the spirit of what is shared is. We have to have have ears that hear the spirit behind what someone is bringing. This morning when Pastor Joel was sharing around the giving, were you getting caught up in the Word of just what he was saying? Although Word is important, understand that it's the spirit behind the words. It's the anointing behind the words. When we have preachers and speakers and connect leaders sharing from their hearts, don't get caught up. I've seen too many people leave churches because of one sentence they heard someone say. They are immature. Instead, have ears to hear what the spirit is saying. 
if, if the people following Jesus heard the spirit behind his words, then they wouldn't have left him. The Pharisees were the ones who were so caught up in the right wording that they missed the spirit. Instead, let's be a grace-filled church. I'm trying to cause us to mature in our understanding this morning. Be great at listening. This morning when I share, please hear the words, but also more than that, hear the spirit behind what has been said. How often have you found in church life that God speaks to you in a service and it's nothing that this preacher has said? How many people here have had that? And you're like, I've got something so good. No, it wasn't actually what the speaker said. You know what's happening? The Holy Spirit, through the anointing of what has been said, is just sprouting different things. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. So let's not be caught up just on the basic word. Let's be caught up on the spirit of what's being said. But understand that we have to be articulate to the best of our ability, but we have to be grace-filled as well. You guys can sit down. Thank you so much. I'm excited to share this morning. Um, this morning's message is a great message, and I really believe it's going to really do something in your heart. Tonight, um, I'm speaking in a church in Wollongong, so I'd appreciate your love and prayers. And then next weekend, Charlie and I are going to be in Malaysia preaching. And um, it's going to be hot up there, and it's going to be good up there. But I want to encourage you that when we ever go and minister outside these four walls, we take the heartbeat of this church. We take the heartbeat of you. We represent you. I'm taking a little bit of Tom Herbert with me to Malaysia. I'm taking a little bit of Watto with me to Malaysia. It's not just me, it's the grace on our house. And so please keep us in your prayers as we step out and minister to the wider body of Christ in Jesus' name. This morning, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Mark chapter 12. Mark 12. Today's title is called Love Yourself. Love Yourself. Justin Bieber inspired, love yourself. <laughs> and today's message might sound a bit unusual, but I actually believe there is kingdom breakthrough power in what is being shared. Mark 12 verse 31 says this. It says, and it's Jesus speaking, he says, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So the first commandment was love God with all your heart. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command, uh, no commandment greater than these. Holy Spirit, help us this morning. May every word spoken illuminate the hearts of people, empower the hearts of people. Jesus, I pray that you would do miracles in our church. You would raise up Celebration Church to impact the nations. Lord, not by might or power, but by your spirit. And this morning, I just commit this service to you in Jesus' powerful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Loving yourself is so important. It's so integral. Because we see here in Mark chapter 12 that you can only really ever love others as you love yourself. The more we know how much God loves us, the more we love ourselves. The key to loving yourself is actually not found in your own ability. It's actually found in receiving God's love for you. I'm not speaking about having a big head in terms of your pride. I'm not speaking about 
being full of ego. I'm speaking about having a healthy understanding of the beauty and value that you bring, knowing that you can only ever love your, each other to the level that you love yourself. It is hard to love somebody else truly when you don't love yourself. When you get married, you'll find you can't actually love your spouse to the level that you need to until you learn to love yourself. You can't love your neighbour, as it says here in Mark, unless you love yourself. Do you love yourself this morning? Do you love who you are in God? You see, what happens in life is so often the enemy will work so hard at causing you to devalue self. He'll cause you to think that you are no good, that you are unlovable, that you can't be all God's called you to be. We don't say it like that, but we live a life with our head down thinking that we're failures, not living in the fullness of God. But we have to understand the truth of the word is this. We can love others when we love ourselves. And the more we know how much he loves us, the more we will love ourselves. Last week, if you missed it, get the podcast, you missed out. I encourage you, we spoke about the fact that you can only ever have healthy relationships based on a healthy foundation. The healthy foundation is, how does God see me? When it comes to each other, we have to understand that I can only really be effective to you today when I love you. And again, I'm not just speaking about emotion, I'm speaking about the spirit. In the things of the spirit, if I have a love for you in the spirit, it causes my words to have power. What does the Bible say? It says, without love, we just become what? Clashing symbols. Without love, we're nothing. You can be the most articulate preacher, the best mum and dad, the, you know, follow all the right rules, the best employer, the best child, the best whatever, but without love, it comes to nothing. So here, here it is. We can only love others to the level that we love ourselves. We can only love others to the level of where we love ourselves. When you kick yourself when you're down, when you put yourself down, when you struggle with your self-esteem, when you put yourself in a box, when you think you can't because of this, this, and this, you know what you're doing? You're robbing God's love, impacting somebody else. Therefore, we have to work at loving ourselves. Today, let the Spirit, let your heart, let your, the ears of your heart <laughs> be open. Don't be distracted by your phones right now. Don't be distracted by other things. Listen, because God's trying to say something to you. You know, we can only ever give out of what's within us. You can only ever give out of what's within you. The Bible says within me are rivers of living water. Within me, greater is he that is within me than he that's in the world. We look across this room. Charlotte and I were watching a show last night. Um, about a farmer who was building a hobby farm down the coast and um, one day that's what we love to do and he was building a dam on his property and the, and the, and the, uh, the bulldozer or whatever it was came in or the digger came in 
and he's digging, and the guy said, I was so amazed at how much water was under the surface. He couldn't quite see it. On the surface, there was a bit of a swamp and reeds, and, but as soon as that digger started digging, all this water started to flow. You know, you're just like that. Within you are rivers, the Bible says. Within you are rivers. Not a stinky dam with reeds. Rivers. Rivers that flow. Rivers that want to move and impact and cause the whole course of things to change. That's the power of a river. You go to the Grand Canyon, if you've ever been there, you'll see the impact of a river over time. It has the power to change everything. You can only give out of what's within you. What's within you today, church? What's within our house as a church corporately? We can only ever give out of that. What is it that you bring that's in your heart? What are the God rivers in you? Are there dams in you right now? Is there something blocking the flow of God through your life? Or is there a free-flowing river that comes out of you that impacts and brings life to all those around it. I'm going to speak to you about five different things that will help you love yourself better. Each of them start with the letter F, just because that's fun. The first thing we have to deal with when loving ourselves is something that actually affects everybody here, and it's a word called failure. Failure. We must learn as people to deal with personal failure well. We must learn to deal with personal failure well. The thing is, in life, what happens is, I'm going to bring this over here. For our podcasters, I've got two mirrors on the stage and a bucket and a glove. While, while you're just watching me, why don't you turn to Proverbs 24? Proverbs 24, verse 16 says this. It says, The righteous may fail seven times, but still get up, but the wicked will stumble into trouble. The righteous may fail seven times, but still get up, but the wicked will stumble into trouble. Who here wants to be righteous? One of the attributes of righteousness is actually the ability to get back up. You're going to fail. I don't want to prophesy it over you. But the reality is, unless you're Jesus himself, you are going to have days where you feel like a failure. When it comes to this, we have to understand that failure doesn't define us, but instead God's word defines us. How many of us are sitting here today, how many friends do we know, how many family do we know, how many people do we know that they've failed at some point in their life and they've carried that failure around for the rest of their life? I failed in my relationship when I was younger, therefore I'm scared to have a relationship now. I failed as a parent at some point, therefore I'm disqualified as a parent now. I failed as a child, as a child with parents, and therefore I feel like a disappointment to them now. 
I failed in church once and I hurt people and I damaged the church and now I feel like that's going to carry me around for the rest of my life. I hurt my spouse once and I know that when I hurt my spouse, it affected them deeply and now it's damaged me because now I don't love them the way I need to love them for the rest of my life. We have to understand that we have to deal with failure really well. I think if we'd done a survey here this morning and said how many people here feel like they're a failure at something in their life right now, I have a feeling that there will be a majority who would actually honestly say yes. Because we all know our shortcomings. We all know where we're not good. We look in the mirror and go, physically, I could improve this, this, and this. We look at our emotions and go, I wish I was stronger in this area, in this area. We look at our social life and wish we had more friends. We look at our, our, our relational life and think, I wish I was married or I wish I married somebody else, whatever it might be. These are very real in people's hearts. Maybe you had relationships that broke down. Does that define you now? You've got to understand that in our society, we live in a society where what we do defines us according to society. Have you noticed that when you meet someone, you say, hey, what's your name? Or you meet them and then the first thing you ask is, what do you do? Have you noticed that? You don't ask, who are you? You see, in the kingdom, it's actually, who are you? <laughs> it's not, <laughs> what do you do? So therefore, we have this mentality that we're always battling against because the rest of our society is this. It's, what do you do? Or on the flip side, what don't you do? It's, or what, what have you done wrong? You see, how much of us get our value from what we do? How much of us get our value, how many of us, sorry, get our value from our jobs? From our friends? From our social media accounts? From our church serving? From our commitments that we busy our life up with because we feel like we have to? And then we start to feel our souls getting sick because we're living out of a works mentality, not a relationship mentality. And the dangerous thing about that, and you know you have that mentality, by the way, because when you actually fail at what you do, what happens? It just destroys you. I can't believe I dropped the ball there. Oh, I suck. I'm no good. I can't believe that. Oh, and we actually get down in the dumps because we realize, oh, I'm not so good at something. Therefore, that's who I am. But the Bible says you aren't defined by what you do firstly. You're defined by who you are. A slave, listen, listen, a slave is defined by what they do, but a son is defined by who they are. And it doesn't matter if the son has a good or bad day, there's still a son. <laughs> now, we love this because we know in our spirit it resonates, but the reality is this, it's harder to live it because our society is built on what you do, on what you have in your bank account on what your marriage looks like, on what your kids are looking like, on what your, your dreams or whatever it is. Do you have a mortgage? Do you have a house? Do you have a car? Do you have a business? Do you have work? Do you have whatever it is? And it's all hot air. Compare with who you are. Because you can be someone who doesn't feel like life's going too well outwardly, but inwardly you know who you are. And there is a freedom and a peace in knowing who you are. There is a lack of insecurity when you know who you are. There is a joy when you know who you are. 
The Word of God defines who we are, not our failures. If you're someone here and you are on a spiritual journey, if you follow Christ, I encourage you, your Bible is what reminds you about who you are. And if you are under the age of 30 in particular, your Bible should be what you read more than anything else because it will set up the rest of your life. So we have this lie we have to deal with and the lie, the lie is this thing called failure. And we have this reflection here and the reflection is who God thinks we are. Right now I can see the front row here, I can see Jessica. But the reality is we have these things called, this, this lie, and it's called failure, and before you know it, the mirror of who we are starts to be tainted. It is gross, isn't it? The lies of the enemy are very gross. Lie number one, failure. How many of us here today, when we look at the mirror of who we are in God, actually have that? We can't actually see ourselves clearly anymore because we've let failure stick against the mirror of our hearts. (laughs) Hey, listen to this. Bill Johnson says this. I love Love this. He says, if you don't live by the praise of men, you won't die by their criticism. If you don't live by the praise of men, you won't die by their criticism. It doesn't matter what man thinks of you. It doesn't matter how many people like your social media updates. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Who cares if no one does? What matters is who you are. Who cares if you feel like you're failing right now. The reality is it shouldn't matter to you. What matters is that through Christ, we are new creations. Failure is a great teacher of our past, but it's not a great predictor of our future. You see, we shouldn't be afraid of failure. Failure will teach you a lot. You know, the Bible says a fool goes back to his vomit, <laughs> like a dog does. That's what Proverbs says. And so we can make mistakes over and over and over again. And sometimes we do because we're not learning from failures, but the reality is God wants us to learn. Learn. Say sorry, make it right, and move on. Failure is a great teacher of our past, but not a great predictor of our future. Failure shows where you've been, but not where you're going. I love this. Um, Michael Jordan, one of the, I think, the greatest basketball players of all time. That might cause some controversy, but he said this. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. How amazing is that? Who, who remembers the Michael Jordan? Of the, oh, everyone knows. Man, what, he was just a freak. Best basketball player. But he, you, hear, you read his stuff. He worked his butt off. And he failed 26 times game-winning shots and he lost them. Doesn't define him, he just keeps going. I encourage you to learn to embrace the lessons of failure. Learn to learn from failure. But don't let failure 
do this to the way you see yourself in God. Don't let it cause the mirror of your life. Love, remember, love your neighbour as yourself. This one is how you, sh- you can see yourself clearly in God, which makes you an effective agent of loving others. The second thing is this. The second way to love yourself better is forgiveness. We must learn to forgive ourselves. Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says this. It says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as God forgave you. You've got to understand when it comes to God, when it comes to our walk, when it comes to how we view ourselves, unless you learn to forgive yourself, we're speaking about forgiving others. But you know it's hard to forgive others unless you forgive yourself. You can only give out of what's in your heart. And all it takes is to be in a season where you make mistakes and you hurt some people or you hurt yourself. And what happens is you know how much you're not very good, but you struggle to forgive yourself. Sometimes it's easier to forgive others, easier than ourselves. Why? Because we don't feel worthy. You see, the scandal of grace is that it is undeserved. And through grace, we have this thing called unmerited favor. What does unmerited favor mean, church? It means that we have undeserved favor. We have to understand that we have to be good at forgiving ourselves. So what is the second lie? The second lie is this. I am not worthy. I am not worthy of forgiveness. I am not worthy of forgiveness. It's a lie. It's a lie that does this to you, does this to your soul. I want to tell you that Jesus died for you because you're not worthy, but he made you worthy. (laughs) Let's not sell short the power of him dying for us. He paid the price so that you may be worthy. Oh, I'm not, I can't ever forgive myself. Oh, I can't believe it. And and we have this thing called condemnation. It's a biblical term and it means that we just keep coming back to, I can't get past it. Even Paul talks about it in in, in the Bible. He's he's speaking about it and he had been killing Christians. And now he's there preaching and writing and doing all this stuff. And no doubt in his darkest nights, he would have been thinking all the families that I would have, hurt. All the dads that I killed because of their faith. Yet he didn't let that define. And if Paul can do it. And by the way, if you're a deep thinker here, Paul was an extremely deep thinker. He was extremely smart. He was trained under the best of the best, but he didn't let unforgiveness define who he was. 
this morning, if you're here and you struggle with forgiving yourself, I want to tell you that you need to embrace and let yourself forgive yourself just as Christ has forgiven you. What is the point of holding on to unforgiveness in your heart towards yourself after Christ has already forgiven you? So we have this saying and it's, you know, unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and expecting someone else to get sick. Well, it applies to yourself in that. When you don't forgive yourself, you've got to realise that you're drinking poison. The third thing is this, the third F that can really help you love yourself is a thing called faith. A healthy person has faith for their future. A healthy person has faith for what God has. Having faith for your future creates focus for your today. Having faith for your future creates focus for your today. Proverbs 29, if you have your Bibles, Proverbs 29, 18 says this. It says, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he who keeps the law, happy is he. When there's no vision for your life, you start to wander aimlessly. If you go into that scripture, vision actually speaks about prophetic insight. <coughs> if you don't have a God prophetic leading, you're going to start to wander aimlessly. I have met so many people who don't know, A, who they are, and B, where they're going. Where are you going today? Where is God leading you today? Do you have faith for things that you don't yet see? Are we believing God for the impossible? Or are we living in the society mindset, which is if you see it, we believe it. But the Bible's the opposite. It says we live in the unseen. We live in things yet to come. <laughs> you see, God wants us to be people who walk in faith, not just by sight. Faith instead of sight. Walking in the fullness of all he has. You see, faith causes you to live for something bigger than yourself. Faith creates health for your soul. What is it today that you're believing God for in your life that only God can do? And, and let me just encourage you with this. Often that'll be in crisis. We go, well, we need you to move in crisis and always hold on to that in crisis. But also go for things that aren't in crisis. What are the miracles today you're believing God for that only he can do? <laughs> you see, what happens is when you do that, it creates health in your soul. It creates health in your heart. God wants us to be people who have prosperous souls. You see, faith causes us to have a healthy reliance on God and His goodness. Some of us today need to shake off the fear and shake off the disappointment. We pray for that person that didn't get better. I'm not going to pray for someone again. I believe God for breakthrough in my business, and business got less and less. I trusted God for a spouse, and it seems like the well is drying up even more. I believe God for kids, and my partner still isn't pregnant. God, where are you? For me as a pastor, I'm believing God for growth, and there's empty seats here. It just 
destroys my heart because I know God's called us to reach a city. I have faith for that. I, I believe for it. I'm not going to let an empty seat prophesy to me about failure and about the lack of God's goodness. No, no, no. I will speak even more to the things of God. That's when you have faith for financial breakthrough and that bill turns up or your car engine blows up and you think, oh, my goodness. You see, God wants us to be people of faith. But again, this morning, we have this thing called disappointment. And we can't see ourselves clearly in God's kingdom anymore because disappointment starts to come and it starts to move in our hearts. It's hard for me to see Jessica now in this reflection because I'm seeing through the filter of disappointment. And by the way, that's meant to look gross because lies are always gross. And lies will stick to you. And it'll make you feel horrible. This is our reality. This empty mirror is our reality. Seeing who we are clearly because we know he's, we, 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 we receive his reality for us. Today I want to encourage you, shake off the disappointment. Shake off the fear. Shake off the things that are trying to define you. You cannot see yourself clearly if you are holding on to lies. And if you're holding on to lies, you can't love your neighbor effectively because you don't love yourself effectively. The fourth thing is this, and I love this one. Favor. We're called to know that our hearts are called to be hearts of favor. Do you know this morning that you are favored? You know, in our household, and Charlie and I, I think we're unusual in this, but we just talk about the bigness of God for our lives all the time. All the time. I am always speaking, but we're looking at houses all the time, our forever home, we're looking at property, we're looking at uh, talking about one day having a family, how we want to raise kids, how we want to travel with them. We're speaking about the church, what God has for us as a church. We do not have a poverty mentality. I, I don't ever... I never want to adhere to that. I think it's rubbish. I want to be someone. I believe the Bible has called me to have favor. And God proved to me, and proves a strong word, but he did in my heart when he gave me my wife. He showed me his favor. And I could not produce that. I couldn't. I couldn't go out there and date 50 different girls and maybe the right one I'll just choose. Well, I, I can't. I don't work that way. I, I, I would stuff it up. <laughs> I, I needed God to come and help me when I was alone, when I needed help, when I needed some, a helper. And God knew the season and the timing and he said, okay, now let me bring along Charlotte. I've known Charlotte for years before that. I knew her, knew her for 10 years before she became my wife and there was not one romantic notion in that until the very, 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 very end. <laughs> oh, she, she's saying it's true. Like, she tell you, vice versa, there was nothing there. It was talking about, we, we'll both be looking through the church going, oh, man, like, heaps of great people, but nothing for my garden. And then God went, 
going to show you something. And I started to find myself seeing Charlotte in a different way. Completely, completely out of the blue. Completely, I laid down the whole thing. I was 29, I was like, eh, I'm done. God, if you want to do it, you do it. Literally, that was my, I was just, I'm, just, I'm not going to stress about this. I already done that when everyone else got married and I was a single groomsman every single time and I was like, ah, oh, again. I hated Valentine's Day. I'd get off social media. I was like, I don't care about how much you love your partner. Shut up. <laughs> and now I'm the guy that's putting stuff up and I'm thinking, oh, oh, I just feel sometimes. I know what it's like. But God's favour came out of nowhere. The reality is God's favour was already there. <laughs> I just had to go through a journey of trusting in his favour. Favour is this, I love this, a definition of favour. It's an act of kindness beyond what is usual. <laughs> an act of kindness beyond what is usual. So here's a question. Are you kind to yourself? Because God's kind to you. His heart towards you is kindness, even though sometimes we can't see it in the moment or the season. Ultimately, he's always got a posture of kindness towards us. Are you kind to yourself? I love this. Isaiah 48, verse 11. Isaiah 48, 11 says this. It says, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. This is God's heart towards you. The Lord will guide you always, satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. <laughs> Why are you favoured? Here's some thoughts. You are favoured because you're created in God's image and therefore you carry value. Even the most unusual looking person is still created in God's image. The Bible talks about Paul and it says Paul was unimpressive. Talks about Jesus, talks about how he wasn't impressive either. To look at them, they weren't impressive people. But in God, they were valued and favored because they're created in God's image. The second way, reason you're favored is because we are anointed by the Holy Spirit and therefore carry his blessing. <laughs> you're anointed today if you're a Christian here. The Bible says with the Holy Spirit, you become anointed anointed to see God's kingdom invade the earth and heaven touch the earth. And today I want to encourage you that you're favoured because you're anointed by his Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit anoints you, therefore you carry huge value. The third thing is this. We are graced with his giftings and therefore carry his creativity. <laughs> this room is full of incredible people and we've got a lot of people away. And I think of some of them, and they're so uniquely gifted, some of them. Actually, they all are. They carry something unique in God 
because God wanted to put his fingerprint on them. Now, when you're unkind to yourself and when you put yourself down, what's happening is you lose your self-value. Do you know today that you are uniquely graced with giftings from heaven to bring God's kingdom to earth? Another sermon, but are you using your giftings today to bring heaven to earth? But in that, understand that that creates favor on your life. So next time you're feeling a bit down, a bit low, or someone, one of your friends are, you can say to them, hey, why are you down? A, you're created in God's image, so you're all good. B, you have the Holy Spirit, so you're better than good. And C, your grace with giftings, therefore, let's celebrate some awesome things that God's placed in your heart. Let's stop being so sensitive and so downputting because the reality is we are so blessed. Listen, your gifting might not be singing, but maybe it's something else. It might not be drawing, but maybe it's something else. I'm sure that if we actually delved into what you bring, you'd be surprised at the beauty of God that's placed within you. It says this in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that with all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. Again, I'm going to use Charlotte as an example, but one thing she taught me when, I, when we got married, or dating even, she taught me to be kind to myself. What a bizarre thought. I, I'd, I'd been through seasons where I'd, I'd encountered a lot of unkindness, and I just forgot what kindness was. And we'd go out on dates, and she would just be nice to me. I remember one time we were at dinner, and she was nice to me, and I started getting teary, thinking, this is such a weird sensation. Now, that sounds really stupid, but it shows you where I was at. I had forgotten what kindness was shown to me. For whatever reason, I'd forgotten that. And then God used her to come and say, wait a second, let's just get some of that mud off the mirror. Let's look at this. Let's just, don't worry about unkind, look at this. Do you know that you were, she'll tell you, there were many times in the first two years of our marriage, I just didn't know how to handle her, her, her kindness. I literally weirded me out. How bizarre is that? And then she has a beautiful family and she, they, they embrace me. I was that guy dating, um, you know, Charlotte, in the, you know, being in the lounge room and Kathy and Alan, they're over, overseas at the moment. But Kathy would come over and she would take my hand and she'd be telling me the story of Charlotte and, and how God done a miracle when she was born and it should, she shouldn't be here. And she's there crying and I'm sitting there crying. While, while Alan's playing the song that was playing when she was getting born. <laughs> Which is now his favourite song type thing because his daughter was born to it. What was the song? What was the song again? That's just the way it is? Things will never be the same? Who knows that song? That's just the way it is. There was actually a remix a few years later. <laughs> so what we've done was every time I hear that for the next like six months, I would, in the car, I'd, I'd download it, Spotify, play it. I'm there tearing up. 
because of this experience in the lounge room. Because Alan's dancing around to the song that his daughter was born to. And, his, and Kathy's there holding my hand saying, we love you. We're so happy you're here. Charlotte was a miracle and you're a miracle as well. Ooh. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? I can't escape right now. I'm stuck in this lounge room. And internally, God was reminding me of this. He was clearing away this. And he was reminding me of this. And he just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And even now, Charlotte will tell you, there's times where she has to clear away this again and remind me of this. How does God see you? Not how do you see yourself through your filters, but how does God see you? Because when I see myself like this, guess what? I can love her the way God loves me. And I'm learning this as a husband because it's hard for me to love Charlotte when I am so down on myself that I can't then love her. My moods, my processing, my words become a reflection of my failure, my um, unfavor, whatever it is, my disappointments, and then I take it out on her without meaning to. But God says, come back to what I've called you to be. Come back to how I see you, this clear mirror, not the muddied mirror due to the things of disappointment. One thing in our house we love doing now, we used to go out for, for breakfast on Saturday mornings. But because we love our our fur baby so much, which is our dog. She just gets so sad on Saturday mornings because she just doesn't want us to leave and that's how our house works. So we've now started setting up at the back of our house. Charlotte gets out a table, nice uh, tablecloth. I get a Saturday paper and she makes me a nice English breakfast. I know. I'm talking. This is a huge, this is amazing. It's, it's, it's toast, it's bacon, eggs, it's baked beans and a hash brown. I, know, I don't need it, I know, I know. I read my paper and she gets the Sudoku section out of the paper and does that while our, while our, our dog sits there and enjoys the sun. It's awesome. That's our new thing. We save 60 bucks going out for breakfast or 50 bucks or whatever it is. 40, 50 bucks, whatever, wherever you go. But I, I just, it's a moment, and, and we have our sleep-in Saturday. So, we, I mean, our sleep-ins aren't that long, but it's, it's just a, we don't rush. We just have a day. We have a moment. In the business of the week, when we're doing so much, we just have a moment. And we do it intentionally. You can invite me out on Saturday, and I'll probably say no. Why? Because I'm hanging out with my family. It's my day. Sunday isn't my day. Yesterday's my day. So therefore, it's one of those things where I'm being kind to myself, but I want to tell you how intentional we have to be at this. Are you kind to yourself today? Are you kind to yourself with the favor of God? You are worthy of favor. You are worthy of kindness. No? I'm nearly finished, but the lie is this. The lie, and it's really important, and I had to battle this. The lie is that God isn't kind to me. God is not kind to me. God doesn't care about me. And we let that come in. Then we look at our life and our circumstance. 
and we have this smudge picture of ourselves. I can see John, oh, I don't really want to see that. I'm going to cover him up. <laughs> I want to make sure if I'm on this side, I'm loving you through my lies. There you go. Now I can love John through my lies. I can love him through my filters. God's not kind to me. Why would he be kind to Jono? And I start to actually outwork that. <laughs> I don't say it like that. I say it through things like, eh, I don't speak God's truth to him. I put up when he's whinging and this and that. And instead of pointing him back to the truth, I point him back to his emotions. Yeah. What did the counselor tell you? They must be right. They're bigger than God. What? No, the word of God is what matters. You've got to understand today, church, that God is kind to you. What does the Bible say? We're nearly going to finish. The Bible says this. It's, his kindness leads us to repentance. I love, that's, what, that's probably one of my favorite verses. It is his kindness that leads us to repentance. Turn to your neighbor and say, his kindness leads me to repentance. The last thing is this. The last thing is this. The fifth way you can love yourself is by surrounding yourself with godly friends. Surround yourself with godly friends. In a few weeks' time, I'm going to be speaking to the church. Is that working? No? Yeah, why not? In a few weeks' time, I'm going to be speaking about kingdom friendships and relationships. I've learned this in life. Kingdom friendships are very hard to come by. I don't know if you've noticed that. They're really, it's one thing to have friends. It's another thing to have friends who are telling the truth in love. <laughs> Be kind to yourself and surround yourself with good friends. You know, a true godly friendship, kingdom friendship, reminds you of your God destiny. The people who I love the most in my life aren't afraid to tell me when I'm not being all I can be. I actually find it is something that defines our relationship because it shows me they're willing to take a risk on behalf of who God's called me to be. But how many friendships have you had when someone actually speaks to you and there's a little bit of conflict and the friendship starts to dissolve? Well, let me tell you, that friendship probably wasn't very deep to start with. I love this in Proverbs 29, 27 verse 9. It's from the Passion Translation. It says this, Sweet friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy. For good friends are like the anointing oil that yields its fragrant incense of God's presence. You know, God is actually wanting us to be people who have kingdom friendships. I love the story of the man who was brought to Jesus on the mat through the roof but he would have had to have four friends who cared about him enough to bring him to God's truth. Be kind to yourself today and sow in to kingdom friendships. Now, if you're here today and you feel lonely, I want to encourage you that God hasn't called you to feel lonely. You might have to take some people out for coffees for a season to sow in to build those friendships. You might need to have some dinner parties. You might have to send some text messages. You might have to, to make some phone calls. You know, the people who, I, who, who, who are that close to me, I can name them on the one hand. But a lot of them are people that I actually have to go and call. I have to go and chase. 
Now, I have heaps of friendships, heaps of a lot of people here I love dearly. But there's only a few who can actually sit me down and be like, but I pull your head in. Because they have the credibility. You can say it to me. Someone says it, most weeks someone comes and says it to me actually after I preach. But the reality is this, is that it doesn't really do much because there's something about having a Jonathan-David relationship. Friendships that are born through adversity, through the trenches, brotherhood and sisterhood that comes about by standing in the midst of battles. When you fall over, someone who picks you up and doesn't abandon you. (laughs) When your friend isn't being all they're called to be, do you turn your back on them or do you love them? Now, what's love though? Love isn't putting up with it. Love is truth in love. Just maybe we put up with too much of too much rubbish sometimes from each other. We sell each other short. But be kind to yourself and surround yourself with godly friendship. Again, if you feel lonely today, I want to just tell you this. I've had seasons where I feel very lonely. You can be in a church community and feel lonely. You can even be in a connect group and feel lonely. I mean, it helps to be in those communities. But loneliness can become a lie as well. I am alone. (laughs) No one cares. No one understands. No one gets it. Everyone's so busy. It's all lies. The reality is this, is that kingdom relationship goes for eternity. It's real. It's powerful. If you feel alone or lonely, that's a better word, loneliness. The reality is the Bible says you have a brother that is close to you and his name is Jesus. The Bible says that you, and he will never leave you or forsake you. You have this amazing person called the Holy Spirit who is with you, who you can speak to 24-7 and he will be with you and he will comfort you and he will counsel you and he will be your best friend. And then the reality is this, often we feel lonely because we haven't sewn in to friendships. Friendships are a fruit of what you've sown. The best, strongest friendships I have, I make the effort and I call or they call me or I go see them or, you know, I've got, we've got friends in Switzerland, Germany, we will get on the plane and we've spent thousands of dollars just to go and sit with them. Why? Because they love us. They're a safe place for us. They don't just love us because we're their pastors. They love us because they don't care what we do. It's who we are. <laughs> but you've got to sow in. You've got to water. I'm so busy. Okay, well, be by yourself then. No, no, make time. Make time. Sow in. Be kind to yourself by surrounding yourself with godly friendships. People who remind you, people who remind you of who you were called to be in God. That's not everybody, by the way. But when you find that one or two or three, sow in. Fight for those friendships. Make the time, make the effort. And by doing so, we become people who are kind to ourselves. We love ourselves. I'm a bit over time today. Today, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Failure, disappointment, discouragement, fear, 
loneliness or the way God sees you? Clear, free, happy, joyful, trials, but joy comes anyway. You lift it up. You can then reflect who God is in you to others. Not this. There's too much of this. And we think we love each other, but we're not. We're, we're being messy with each other. We're putting up with rubbish. What is God's truth? What has God called you to be? Who is God? You're favoured. His kindness is upon you. You are the head, not the tail. You are free from sin. You are free from insecurity. His hand is upon your life. For I am a new creation in Christ. Does that make sense? Why don't we all just stand to our feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. To address this, this dirty mirror takes vulnerability. And it takes a level of honesty that most don't want to go near. Because we've learned to put makeup on. We've learned to live lives that just show our social media. We've learned just to be fake. But the reality is this, is that God has called us to have hearts and lives that are clear, that are real. Because it's hard to worship in spirit and in truth if you're not living in truth. Yeah? It's hard to be effective for God's kingdom if you're not living in the fullness of who he's called you to be. And so what I'm going to do today is we're just going to take a moment and I'm going to pray. And I actually ask you in your heart to really be honest about how do you love yourself right now? And I'm going to pray corporate prayer over you. But at the end, if you feel like that God's just doing something and you need breakthrough when it comes to loving yourself, we're going to have the altar open. And we're going to pray with you. And we're going to break off things like, uh, things like failure, things like disappointment, things like bitterness, things like <laughs> loneliness. And we're going to declare the truth, the truth. And I'm sure tonight for the ladies, Charlotte's probably going to continue this type of ministry and seeing real deep healing take place. So why don't we close our eyes? Thank you, Father God. Father God, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you love us, God. Thank you that your kindness is here. Thank you, God, that we're not bound by lies, but we are free in your truth. And this morning in Jesus' name, I just pray for every heart here and those listening online too. Father, anybody who right now struggles with loving themselves, right now we just renounce any lies, any failures, any disappointments, any unkindness, any wrong filters, any insecurities, any hurts, we release them. Any unforgiveness, we, we, we release that and we say we forgive. We forgive ourselves this morning in Jesus' name. So, Father, right now I pray that across this place, 
let your spirit be here. Let the fruit of your spirit start to break out in this place. And let hearts be set free today that we might love you the way you love us and that we might love our neighbour as you love us. You know, if you're here, everyone has their eyes closed and you actually haven't even yet made a decision to follow Christ or you know your heart isn't close to him, this is the moment to actually get your mirror clear. (laughs) Get your mirror completely clear. If that's you in this place, you want to make sure your heart is right with God. I encourage you just to put your hand up where you are and say, that's me. Awesome. I see those hands. Just put them up really high. Awesome. Anybody else here? You just want to make sure your mirror is clear. You want to receive that love. Let's pray this prayer of commitment together. Let's pray, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. And today, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart, to draw near to me. I need you. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you are my Lord and Saviour. And Holy Spirit, please help me every day. And don't leave me alone. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Charlotte, why don't you come up here? Awesome. So what are we going to do? Who's been blessed by this morning? Yeah. Where are you at this morning? Where are you at? How much do you love yourself? Because you love your neighbor as yourself. Next week's topic is dating and marriage part one. Um, I encourage you to make sure you're here. If you're married, it's going to help you. And if you're looking to date or dating, it's going to help you. It's going to be lots of fun too. Every week we have something creative we're going to do. But make sure you're here. Don't miss it. But let's just, why don't you put your hand on the person next to you. If you're here with your husband or wife, hold their hand in this moment. This is the moment where we pray for our church family. We send you out. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Father, I thank you for this incredible church family. And today, Holy Spirit, I just pray your blessing upon them. I pray pray this week as they go out into their world that your Holy Spirit power would just be so evident in their lives. I pray this week, Father, that we would be good at loving ourselves, at living in your truth, at living in your purposes. Father, I pray that if there's any type of doubts or fears, that you would help us to fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus. And I pray for our our city, and I pray that you would come and do a miracle in our city, and that your spirit would send revival upon us, and that we would step out in faith and step out in the power of the Holy Spirit to see people come to you, to see lives set free, and to see families healed in Jesus' powerful name. Lord, we love you, and we just commit everything to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, Haley's sin at the end. If you want some prayer, if you need some breakthrough, don't be ashamed. Come down. We'd love to minister to you. Everyone else, we'd ask you to have conversations outside as well. In Jesus' name, be blessed. See you tonight, ladies. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.